0: Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Selena Maxwell, and we are watching Supreme Court nomination hearings. So, to join us and help unpack all of this, two of our absolute favorite guests on this topic, Imani Gandhi and Jess Mason Peklow. They are Rewire News Group and the co hosts of the podcast Boom Lawyered. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Good morning. Very <laughs> good early, morning. Early morning. Imani is Senior early Editor morning. of Law and Policy. For Rewire, Jessica is senior vice president, executive editor, of Rewire News Group, um, and both of you host the podcast Boom Lawyered, which <laughs> I just really like the title. So it's the most I fun to a, say. It's to get that in there. The best boom! name, honestly. Boom! No, it's of so course. good. Do you guys have like a GIF for it? Like boom! Like do you? You should make one. We should. We (laughs) We don't (laughs) have. Should make a GIF. That's like GIF material. So, um, Imani, I'll start with you because I think that we were talking in the first hour. We played some clips of uh, Judge Jackson introducing herself and talking about why she loves America, why she, you know, was taught to love America by her parents, and and the reasons. And I want to get into the reasons because I think that's sort of what makes her distinct and unique. And um valuable to the court um particularly in a moment where a lot of these questions about like what we are as a democracy um and what rights we have and don't um are like top of mind um not just for the court but all of us um talk about how her introduction just like the way she set up um you know who she is and who she is within sort of the larger american idea um, and how that was so different <laughs> than like John Roberts. I mean, it was just so different than anything mm-hmm. I've ever seen before.
2: Well, it's I mean, it's, it's a historical occasion, right? We have this black woman who was obviously qualified, who has been confirmed three times by the same body she's sitting before. And yet she held herself together very well she was very stoic i think in that way that black women know how to be stoic in the face of a lot of white nonsense which i think was <laughs> was kind of you know being shot at her at a high velocity and i really like the way she talked about herself as being a patriot right mm-hmm. she, she yes. talked herself about yes being a patriot and we don't often hear a lot of black people talking about being a patriot because and and she sounded sincere right and that's i think that's different because i think if i were to get before a senate judiciary committee and talk about myself as a patriot it would not come across very sincere right because I'm just who I am, but with her, you sense this earnestness that she is a patriot, but she also believes that this country can be better than what it is. And I honestly think that that is the true test of patriotism. It's not whether or not we look back to 1790, whatever, and look at what these white landowners thought that this country should be, and then decide to just sort of square ourselves into that hole. I think it's about updating our cultural touch points, updating our inflection points. And I think it's about recognizing that of all the people in this country who are patriots, black people who still believe in the vision of this country are probably the most patriotic, right? Because we are the ones who have been, besides, you know, Native American people, we are the ones who have been beat down the most when it comes to America, when it comes to recognizing that dream and fulfilling that dream. So I really loved her talk about patriotism. I love that she talked about being a working mom because, you know, black women are never really given an opportunity to be good mothers, right? Like it's almost as soon as black women have children, they're categorized as bad mothers and for a lot of women, a lot of black people who have children, they're categorized as bad parents even before they give birth, because maybe they try to terminate that pregnancy because they felt like they couldn't handle it. So black women are very um, it's, it's tricky being a black woman in this country, let's just say. And I appreciated the words that she had to say. It made me feel hopeful and I'm not particularly a hopeful person. That was exactly the clip
0: that we played this morning. And Mm -hmm. and I I felt I felt very similarly about it. Like I I I feel intense love for the myth of this country. And the flip side of that is like just the intense like I have a hard time calling myself a patriot because we're not living up to the thing that we say that we are. If we did, my God, of course we'd be exceptional. Mm -hmm. Of course we would. Yes. If we were actually the kind of country that people could come to and expect opportunities to grow from one generation to the next, well, then hell, I'd be feeling really good about being an American. Right. Unfortunately, we say that that's what we are, and then we do our damnedest to make sure that it's the opposite, and I don't feel very good about that. But I, I there's so little of substance that we can actually get into in these hearings that mm-hmm. I feel like the way they choose to present themselves in that opening is almost like the best insight that we get into their character and how they would approach the job. And I could not have been happier uh, with what I heard yesterday. Um, Jess, what, what do you expect to hear today? And like, where are those moments where we can read between the lines and the pro forma and the white nonsense to actually like, See a little bit of who this person is and, and and what their values are. Like what should we be watching?
3: Sure. So um, first of all, I think we should be watching for the performance of the senators because Judge Jackson has already shown, as Imani said, who she is several times. I mean, this is a this is a process for her to get through frankly um and so what but one of the things that really jumped out to me yesterday in what was sort of the setting of the stage for today with each of the opening statements is that we will see conservatives really use this as an opportunity to be exercising their own policy paranoias right now this is you know they they don't have a strategy to block this nominee because they can't unless they just go into the racism with their full chest and they don't want to do that publicly so they're going to do it sideways right um and knowing that there are some issues that they want to diffuse because they have an eye towards the midterm elections it was wild to me yesterday to hear conservatives go on and on and on about their concerns about court reform i know i should pay attention to that (laughs) progressives need to pay attention to that the biden administration has abandoned court reform as a policy initiative why They are terrified of this because they know that it is one thing to, you know, Jess and Zerlina, your point about being patriots that we can really do to start to unrig the system here. You know, that's what John Ossoff was talking about in his opening statement when he said, This is the opportunity for us to be who we are in real life as this, you know, to have that match up who we say we are in the page, right, to who we who we put ourselves out there. And so I am going to be watching for all of those things that conservatives are really, really upset and worried about um, going into the midterm elections. And then also, you know, I think in terms of Judge Jackson herself, she's proven herself to be a fair minded, brilliant jurist. And the idea that she could sit there and, you know, keep a lovely face listening to Ted Cruz, listening to Tom Cotton, you know, listening to Josh Hawley. I think the fact that we won't see her frothing at the mouth, talking about Republican conspiracies the way we did Brett Kavanaugh, for example, like all of that should tell us that this is a woman who is making history
0: does seem weird that they keep bringing that up like republicans keep bringing up the kavanaugh confirmation mm-hmm. hearing, and in my mind i'm like why why, why are you reminding everybody like right. this we got mad about that because that man had been accused of assault like mm-hmm. there this there was not like giant progressive resistance to his jurisprudence right it was about right. the attempted yeah. rape right like you're gonna keep shining a big spotlight that and pointing at the Hey, remember when we got the guy confirmed who was accused of attempted rape? Like, remember that? Does everybody remember that? Like,
2: why are they doing that? (laughs) I I think partially they want to rewrite the story. They want to revise history. I mean, we saw that with Ted Cruz, Mm -hmm. who said, You know, I mean, the fact that Ted Cruz sat there and said to Judge Jackson, well, you know, you're not going to be asked about your dating habits and you're Mm. not going to be asked whether or not you like beer. First of all, for Ted Cruz to couch the credible sexual assault allegations against Brett Kavanaugh as inquiries into his, quote, dating dating habits is truly disgusting. Second of all, the fact that he... He said, oh, no one's going to ask you if you like beer. If you recall during the Kavanaugh hearings, it was Brett Kavanaugh who yes. asked Amy Klobuchar if she right. liked beer. Right. And that occurred after an, a rather uncomfortable exchange during which Amy Klobuchar asked him, have you ever blacked out from drinking? Which honestly, I think is a fair question that we should be asking of our Supreme Court justices. If you black out drinking and you don't know what you're doing when you're black out drinking, maybe that's a problem. We don't have any credible accusations about Ketanji Brown Jackson raping anyone or drinking until she blacks out. And quite frankly, she would never have even gotten four steps prior to where she is now if that was the case, right? We Mm -hmm. let white men get away with everything and anything. And then we make excuses for it and then we try to revise history. There is no room for error with Jackson. She's proved that thrice already. And so as Jess said, this is just a a, a process that she has to get through. She has to grin and bear it. And you saw it on her face. That's her game (laughs) face. She's going to sit there like I, I was talking about this yesterday. You know, all black women know that look. It's that look where you have that sort of half smile on your face, but your mm-hmm. eyes are dead and angry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean and we know, Zelina, you know that look, right? I know so the look. Just, I do it all the time. Exactly. And it's because we have to because we can't react. We can't roll our eyes. We can't do any of those things because they expect that of us. And so we have to buck those ex- expectations. I, it's, it's
1: it's so true um the other thing too is that i think the thing that i remembered yesterday so they're bringing up kavanaugh and i was Mm -hmm. i was particularly offended by um i believe it was ben sass who's who called the protesters yokels okay Mm -hmm. um and i just want to remind people who those protesters were that Mm -hmm. were at the kavanaugh hearings um certainly activists and people um within movement spaces yes but there were survivors of sexual assault. That's who those protesters were. The other thing that Ben Sass and Ted Cruz and, um, you know, Josh Hawley and them, want you to forget is Christine Blasey Ford. They want you to yes. forget. They want you to completely black out her testimony from your memory, Rolodex, and act like that did not happen. And the blue suit and the perfect testimony and the com- and like complete measured responses she never even attacked him personally when given the opportunity, um, mm-hmm. they want you to block all of that out. And I want you to remember that today. I want you to remember right. to C- Dr. Christine Blasey Ford today because that's it's- what they're trying to get you to forget
2: particularly when they say stuff like there was no corroborating evidence right. that drives me bananas i wrote a piece four years ago or however long ago that saying yes there is corroborating evidence yep. because personal testimony is corroborating evidence right. and when it comes to sexual assault people always want to say they want to discount what yep. the survivor says or what the person making the accusation says to in order in in search of some Document that says, yes, Brett Kavanaugh raped Christine Blasey Ford on this state in this manner. And that doesn't happen when you have sexual assault cases. So and it doesn't happen in any other criminal right. cases at all. Right. Like if someone is mm. mugged, we don't we don't look at the person who says that they were mugged and say, ah, eh, we don't have any corroborating evidence. I'm right. telling you, I was mugged. That's corroborating evidence. <laughs> To the to the question of whether or not I was mugged. You may need additional evidence, but don't discount what the person is saying happened to them. And that and that's something that I think people should remember yeah. today.
0: In in terms of how these hearings go, mm-hmm. I think I think the last one that we all lived through, uh, it was different. <laughs> so, so this is going to be, this is going to be more of our, our sort of standard Supreme Court hearing, mm-hmm. even no matter how bad the Republicans get, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're unlikely to see something that is that anomalous. So, so ha- talk us through the process. Like, how are these questions formed? What information, if any, are senators trying to draw out of the nominee? And, and how, you know, how, how do you expect this week to play out?
3: Yeah, that's great. I love the process stuff, Uh, you know, so this the Senate members of the Judiciary Committee will be all working together and with their staff. And, you know, there's usually a strategy in terms of types of questions or or, um, you know, subject areas that the senators want to get into. They all have their little like areas of, you know, expertise and sort of personal hobby horses so we can expect to see that. Because you're right, there's not a lot of new information that's gonna come out. There's not gonna be gotcha moments, but what they're gonna try and do is really make their case as senators for what their priorities are. That's why That's why Judge uh-huh. Jackson has to get through this, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is less about her and more about the Senate, which says everything that we need to know about the Senate in this process, truly, you know? Um, so for example, when, you know, Josh Hawley goes off on his critiques today at, that he will and his just candid questions about Judge Jackson's time on the sentencing commission, that's about his own personal political aspirations. Everybody needs to think about, you know, midterm election supercut ads, for example, and what they folks are going to be going home and telling their base they did or did not do to stand up to the Biden, you know, dark money uh, nominee, which can we talk about that for a second? Oh, my God. That was like, can I, we was talk? like
1: I was I, I mean, Jess has Jess has a rule. If Republicans are accusing you of something, they are doing the thing. It's no, the no, best exactly. rule. It's the truest times. rule. That's a very good rule.
3: (laughs) I mean, the idea that progressives have anything that matches the federalist society when it comes to all of this is laughable. It's, you know, and and so projection by the Republicans in terms of how they manage the process themselves, right? Behind the scenes, um, anonymous advocacy, for example, those kinds of things. Um, Democrats don't do that because we love process. We actually, like, believe in that stuff. Um, And so we wouldn't blow up the rules for, you know, Merrick Garland, for example. Um, Or Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, you know, or Brett Kavanaugh. So it's just, um, so, so this is about policy priorities, first and foremost, and about talking to the base um for conservatives and frankly I think for the democrats on there you know it was really interesting we're also I think seeing a generational shift in the democrats on the judiciary committee yeah. and the younger cohort Ooh. is yeah. doing such a great job really driving and changing the way Um, Democrats talk about their nominees, the way they go to bat for their nominees, the way they talk about the the necessary representation that a Judge Jackson into a Justice Jackson would bring, like the idea that Senator Padilla closed his remarks in Spanish Mm -hmm, yesterday mm -hmm. was really meaningful. So while none of that has to do with the confirmation of Judge Jackson herself, it has all to do with the politics of the Supreme Court.
1: I mean, it's, it's it's so, so true. I mean, I I thought um, a, a lot about that as Cory Booker spoke yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that he hit on that we just don't talk about enough, it's like, okay, did you ever notice that in every single industry, white men are in charge? <laughs> right. Um, right. Did anybody notice that? And never <laughs> ever go like, why? Is it because they're better than everyone else? Like- is it because they're better at being in charge? Is it because they're smarter? Did it you know, work harder, all mm-hmm. these things, right? And then like everybody knows it's not true. Why are they right. overrepresented? Nobody ever asked like why isn't there more so we ask like, why isn't there more representation? Mm-hmm. The question is, why are white men overrepresented in positions yes. of leadership and power? in across all industries since the beginning beginning of time the only way you answer that qu- can answer that question is racism and sexism that's the only way i love the framing of that question because it's always like why don't we see more women in power
0: as if yeah. it's the women's fault that's right. what i'm saying no, so like no over representation
2: yeah, right. yeah I, I love that framing over overrepresentation is correct but honestly if you were to ask them they would believe it's a meritocracy yeah <laughs> like i really do think that they believe it's a meritocracy i mean you could see that with with the ways and with their reactions to the very idea that there would be a black woman nominee. Automatically, that's gotta be affirmative action, right? And automatically, that's gotta be some sort of fulfilling of a quota. And what I really liked about what, um, was it Hirono? I think it was Senator Hirono said- Probably,
0: she's amazing. She, she
2: is, yeah, she, is. <laughs> yeah, she is. I think she said something like, it's not about a quota, it's about time. She said it's yeah. about yes. time that there was a black woman in the Supreme Court. It's about time that black girls can look you know, on the news and see that there is a black woman on the Supreme Court and see themselves representative. It's not about quota, it's about time and it's about fairness. So what do you think, given the immense qualifications, like,
0: do you feel like the Republicans biggest attacks are going to be this you know we saw some of the like you said nice things about the 1619 project yeah. you know this is yeah. do we feel like this critical race theory is going to be sort of their their number one i also saw some like light on child sex offenders which i saw as just straight up pandering to their q craziness mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. what do you are they going to solidify around one line of attack or do you think they're just going to be pulling from like the best hits of tucker carlson all week
3: I mean, I think it's the latter. Their main oh. line of attack—they, you know—they sort of trotted out early when they were trying to suggest that Judge Jackson wasn't qualified when that was, you know, code for yeah, sure. We would take a black lady on the Supreme court, just not that black lady. Right. We've Mm -hmm. all heard that before. We'd love a woman president, just not that woman, Mm, like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So if Republicans were honest in their opposition, they would say they don't believe Democrats have the right to appoint a Supreme court nominee, especially a black woman.
2: That would be what they would say. Yeah. 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 If they were honest about it, that is what they would say. They, they don't believe that Democrats have any right to do anything when they are in charge of the government. No. And the sad thing is, is Democrats don't seem to th- think <laughs> that they do either. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you know, this idea like the Democrat. I understand that there's a thin majority yes. in the Senate, but voters don't care about that. Right. What voters are going to hear in the midterms is that Democrats control the White House, they control the Senate, they control yep. the House of Representatives, and they didn't get X, Y and Z done. That's what that's what voters are going to hear. And that's how Democrats seem to be acting it, with with very with very few exceptions, and I and I really like what Jess said earlier about a shifting, a sort of changing of the guard. The way John Ossoff spoke, yes, mm-hmm. is the way everyone should have spoken. But instead, what we got were a lot of people just reciting her qualifications. We know her qualifications; they're in records from three different, you know, confirmation hearings. What we need is to talk about how her placement on the court will affect. Future generations, right? Yes. And I think John Ossoff got into that really, really well. I think Cory Booker did too, except for he was just—he was like a little kid. Yeah. He was so delighted. It was. He, it seemed like it was hard for him to that, even talk. Listen, be that Booker was like a joy. Amazing. It was Here's real thing. joy. It was. Here's the thing about Cory Booker, though. That's yep. that's actually how he is. That's who he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a yeah. performance, right? No. I mean, and it and I and it felt real. Yeah, it felt real. You could really tell that he was <laughs> emotional about it, and I and I just. Today's gonna be rough. Yeah, I think Marsha Blackburn is gonna be Ooh, terrible. Boy. I mean, Tom Cotton is gonna be terrible. Holly's gonna be yeah. terrible. Cruz is gonna be terrible. Surprisingly, John Kennedy was one of the less, the least offensive people, and usually he really steps up with the ridiculous <laughs> he was just questions. Tired. He wasn't. He's he tired. wasn't on his game yet. He'll, he he'll had, get, had his he'll, coffee. He'll yeah. let him warm up. But yep. I do think that I'm looking forward to John Ossoff. I'm looking forward to Cory Booker. I'm looking forward to, to the Midwestern white lady shade that's going to be coming from Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> I really think that, you know, I've really been able to tap into that Midwestern white lady shade now that Jess has pointed it out to me. Oh, I, yeah. I feel like Minnesota I get nice.
0: Hang on. Minnesota nice <laughs> yep. to, the yep. Jess knows this. Yep. to the rest Jess of us. To the rest of us. Jess no. <laughs> Minnesota nice means the people in Minnesota are exceptionally nice. Within Minnesota, the phrase <laughs> Minnesota nice Means that is one passive aggressive B. That's what that means. <laughs> like, the the midwestern white lady shade is real. It is yeah. absolutely real, yeah. and <laughs> I am excited when it is used for good, uh, as I expect to see it today. So, okay, so given the given the laws that we are seeing pass across yeah. this country, uh, banning abortion, uh, criminalizing abortion, criminalizing gender affirming mm-hmm. uh, care, just generally like you know crapping on trans kids left and right. Like, given that this is this is the world that we are moving in right now and confirming this justice in, how much do you think that is going to play a role in these confirmation hearings, if any? Do we get to talk about that stuff?
3: Marsha Blackburn really wants to talk about Griswold versus Connecticut. So I think we will get the opportunity to talk about that. And honestly, that should be very frightening to your listeners, Mm because that tells us a lot of things. The fact that Marsha Blackburn, I mean, you know, Marsha Blackburn being Marsha Blackburn, She's speaking for uh, the heart of the conservative legal movement right now. And they understand that Roe versus Wade is dead functionally and probably permanently in come the summer. Um, what they have done is move on in that conversation, and we all need to move on in that conversation as well to understand what's coming. By saying that she wants to talk about Griswold versus Connecticut and the conservatives' understanding that it is a decision that is not grounded in constitutional principles, they're coming after all manners of sexual privacy rights. Griswold yep. versus Connecticut is legal birth control. It is marriage equality, right? This is this is um, you know sexual privacy rights for the LGBTQ population generally right? These are parental rights that Marsha Blackburn, you know, ostensibly says she believes in so long as you don't have a trans kid. Like these are things that are real. And we saw bubblings up of it in the Kavanaugh hearings and the Amy Coney Barrett hearings. You know, Chris Coons will talk about substantive due process. Whenever we're talking about substantive due process, we're talking about, you know, our rights in our bodies as citizens. And that is going to be something that is front and center because the Supreme Court's handing, down a lot of bad decisions this summer and they've got a lot of really bad cases already teed up
1: i mean it's so important to understand that i mean and and i i hate that it's called substantive due process (laughs) (laughs) um because when you say it's like one of the most important things to understand and it's like many 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 months in law school and yes, no one, no regular person knows what you mean when you say that, no. <laughs> and so no. you know, like I, I, I just find that like it is so essential um, for for us to have that simple def- definition the way you put it. Um, do we have one more minute or no? We
0: have exactly one, one minute.
1: minute. OK, so um, Amani, last question. What do you what do you think um, the vote will be? Let's just like have fun with it. Is it going to be a 50 plus one? Is she going to get the three votes she got before? Like are any any Republicans going to, you know, I for this particular nominee. What do you think?
2: I think I think there's a good shot that she's going to get two or three Republicans. (gasps) I think that there are some Republicans who are while they are beholden to their QAnon base. I think that they, that they recognize that in 10, 20, 30 years, them acting the fool with respect to Kitaji Brown Jackson is not going to be well looked upon, historically speaking. You know, you know what I mean? Like this is a very historic moment. This, this tape is will last forever. <laughs> right exactly this take like the anita forever. hill hearings right exactly. so that didn't age
1: well y'all just didn't think about well, how and it will I'm look just gonna in leave. a few years from now
2: absolutely and then, like like, how are your children and grandchildren gonna feel about the way you behaved during mm. this historic nomination mm. uncharacteristic
0: Question. optimism from amani Gandhi. i like it okay everybody <laughs> <Better> end there <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's it that's it no, no more words that's it that's this is how we're ending um obviously everybody if you want to follow along Rewire News Group on Twitter has you covered. This is where imani and Jess are keeping everybody up to date. It is um an invaluable resource for me and I'm sure thank for you. many, many others. So everybody yeah. check it out. Um also of course the podcast Boom Wired. imani Gandhi and Jess Mason piglo thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was a joy as always to talk to we you. We love about you. Horrible, horrible
1: thank stuff. you. Oh we the love pleasure. you. Thanks for thanks having thanks us. So <laughs>
0: We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast.
1: Thanks for listening.